podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is, wherever in the world you're listening to this show. Welcome to the Strictly Cast, a special live edition, which will be going out on podcast later on today. It's been an eventful old week, as you can tell by my dulcet Mancunian tones. I'm not Dale O'Donnell, although Dale O'Donnell is joining me today, as myself, Mike Knight, will be taking over hosting duties. It's been an incredibly eventful week, Dale. The football, really, I mean, it's barely even secondary. I was, um, you know, I was planning on talking about Dean Henderson's hat uh, th- this week, but um, that's gone out the window now. Um, this European Super League and its incredibly brief knockout format, which saw clubs dropping like flies yesterday. Rumours came through, I believe, about nine, ten o'clock in the morning that Chelsea were getting cold feet before anybody. I was pleasantly surprised by Chelsea fans who a lot of them showed up outside Stamford Bridge yesterday and made it very clear they were not having this. And it appears to spook Roman Abramovich, who was behind Chelsea pulling out. I suspect Dale, and we'll get onto this a little bit later, because he is one of the few owners who actually would be showing up to the ground when the crowds are back in to watch these games and probably didn't have to fancy facing an angry mob. Um, United were the, um, not quite the last club, but maybe the second or third to last club to release a very brief statement yesterday saying that they were not joining the Europa League. Ed Woodward has gone. Um, champagne corks popping everywhere. Um, greeting that news. But Dale... <laughs> Well, first of all, what the hell's gone on here? How did, in the space of 48 hours, United go from being in this insane grasp for more money, which was what this European Super League was, to them pulling out altogether? Yeah, look, this is a a story of greed. That's what it's been painted as by pretty much everyone covering it. These are football owners that don't understand football fans. They didn't have any sense of decency to consult fans, to even consult the players, the managers. These are the people that that make a football club. If you have no players, if you have no fans, if you have no manager, you're nothing. These investors need to learn their place. Um, they earn enough money as it is. The Manchester United's commercial machine is just massive. And when I was a young kid and the takeover happened, it had to be kind of explained to me what was happening. Why were people so upset, up in arms? I still don't understand because these people are going to extravagant lengths to make more money. Money that me and you, Mike, will never, ever see. And they're ripping the life and soul out of the club. I think what happened was they're so out of touch. They expected a backlash, but they didn't expect a backlash so significant because football fans of all clubs, clubs we hate, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, these clubs, fans got together and we weren't having any of this. Uh, Media organisations got together. We weren't having any of this. We gave the backlash it deserved, but it can't finish now because what they attempted to do can never happen again. The government needs to get involved. There needs to be some help with it with fans we need to have a greater vote um because this isn't the nfl it's it's not basketball it's not your american sports we do sports a little differently and i know people that love american sports and they watch it and it's great it's great to have the option stop trying to change what we have and doing a carbon copy of what's happening over there 
our, our, our sport is brilliant. It doesn't need those changes. It needs changes. It needs revamping. Champions League, there's no one denying that. But just agreed, Mike. I think what made people so emotional about this too is that they don't care what we think. We've known that for some time, but it was just, this was daylight robbery. Daylight robbery. And I know you, you said to me the other night that, like, as far as you're concerned with United games or United in general, you're done. I hope that the U-turn has made you change, think differently. Because I, I genuinely believe if this is the right time for fans to get together. Until the Glazers are gone. Go ahead. I don't see myself going back on my position. The Glazers need to be gone. And there's various means of fans doing that. But we, we've not mobil- fans have not mobilised well enough in the past in this country. They just haven't. Now, because I think one of the other things that spooked these six teams, Dale, was the realisation that the Premier League and English football is in a much stronger position than a lot of the other leagues were. If you look at La Liga, the three clubs from La Liga who signed up to this essentially have Spanish football over a barrel, Dale, because they've been given concession after concession after concession. The TV deals have been slanted in their favour for years. Even the renegotiated ones that were actually enshrined in Spanish legislation, they, they, they've had them over a barrel. So now La Liga have left themselves with a, a business model that is essentially based on the Madrid clubs and Barcelona, specifically Real and Barca. And, you know, they talk the talk, but really, does that league survive without them? I'm not so sure. Football will survive, of course. As long as there's people there to watch it and play it, it will survive. I think the difference also with the six Premier League clubs, I think the Premier League and the Football League would be able to weather things without them. I think the Premier League would be in a position, if they wanted to, to follow through on the threats of kicking them out and would survive. As in a, because of the, the the nature of the club game over here, which is unlike anywhere else in the world, Dale, you have you know, so many professional clubs. You have, what, four full divisions of fully professional clubs? Sorry, five. Include the 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 conference, the first the top league outside of the football league. Um, you get you look at like Sunderland, for instance, who are in League One, the third tier of English football. Their average attendance is over thirty thousand a week. You know, Sheikh Mansour, Manchester City's owner, who signed up to this, he needs to maybe be reminded. I was speaking to a good friend of mine a couple of days ago, who's a City fan. He's been a season ticket holder for over twenty years. My mum's a City fan. There wouldn't be a Man City, would it not, for 27, 28,000 City fans showing up in the late 90s when that club was in the third tier of English football. Financially, the club was in real trouble, Dale. Real trouble. They weren't far off going out of existence. Would it not for those fans showing up at Main Road every week and following their team away from home, in the worst quality games you can imagine, there is no Manchester City for Sheikh Mansour to buy. Look, I look at John Henry at Liverpool... I don't see how FSG's position owning that club is tenable, Dale. I don't see it. But how do they show their face in that city again? There's no way. It just, just, doesn't, just doesn't happen. Whatever the difference is between United and Liverpool fans, there is a lot of similarities in terms of how much we value the, the clubs as being institutions as part of the community. And what... the I mean, Joel Glazer put his name on this, Dale. As Gary Neville said, he never puts his name on anything. He never speaks to the media, nothing. He put his name on this. He put himself down as the coach. He put his name on the statement. So it's all very well Ed Woodward going. But we know what the problem is. We know who was behind this because he put his name on the damn thing. It was Joel Glazer's behind this. They need to go. You know, all this talk about pulling out pulling out of um, 
you know, uh, this European Super League, it's a damn shame Malcolm Glazer didn't pull out 60 years ago and save us a headache. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. But the, the thing is, as well, Mike, is greed has, has won in football before. This, this is one of few cases where greed doesn't win. Um, and, I, and, I, and I do hope that this is the start of something bigger because the Glazers have been at Manchester United for 16 years. Um, we, we, we didn't know their, their, their big picture when they came into the club. We knew what road it was going down. We, 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 we cried about the concerns. The, the football authorities completely ignored Manchester United fans in the protest back in 2005. And now they decided to come out and condemn a little idea, which was probably the big idea all along. The Super League has been touted for... I'd say 20 years. It's been it's been a conversation for 20 years. It's nothing new. What's new about this is the way in which the the announcement was made. No one saw it coming. No one saw it coming. Not the fans, not the players, not the managers, nobody. And and, and that's where that's where the backlash comes from. Um but seriously, I I I think the clubs need to get together. They need to sort out their differences with with UEFA. Um, last night there was there was reports that Manchester United had a, had made their request to rejoin the union. Um, they should never have left it. They should never have left it. What did it take? Two days, two days, and, and to find out that people were upset. Well, if they had the nerve to come to people a year ago, months ago, it would have been different. And on, on Ed Woodward, uh, uh, sorry, um, Andrea Ranielli, the Juventus president. He was one of the main drivers behind this, along with Joe Glazer, John Henry, and uh, Florentino Perez. He's um, the the head of UEFA is the godfather of one of his children. He was turning around to him on Saturday night and said, "Yeah, yeah, this new Champions League format, all great." And twenty four hours later, he turns around and does that. Well, this is the part where I wanted to bring in with Ed Woodward. Um, people are questioning why the announcement came now, and. My, Look, I, I, I'm looking at what happened recent events, and this is what I'm putting it down to. It was two weeks ago that UEFA meeting that you're talking about with the, when they decided on the future of the Champions League and they all casted a vote. Ed Woodward also sat at, at that meeting and he made his decision and casted a vote. The problem is Manchester United fans don't trust Ed Woodward. They never have. Now the entire football world is seeing why. And do you really think his position is, is can continue in football when no other club, no other club will deal with him ever again? Yeah, There's I'm not. Nobody. I'm not. I, I, I'm not buying for a moment this uh, thing coming out of United saying, "Well, he was always going to leave at the end of the season anyway." I'm not buying that for a minute. I yeah, think because he, they're because trying to use him. They're, they're trying to use him as a fall guy, the Glazers. That's what they're trying to do. Um, hopefully, we United fans do not buy this. No, I, I, I think Ed Woodward was part of the this Super League plan massively, and I think it would have been his. Um, it was the sword that that he he was waving around his big project, and he probably their club are saying he would have left at the end of the season anyway. Yeah, he probably hoped to have left on the back of securing a Super League deal and being part of football history. Maybe but, he would have gone back to JP Morgan. Yeah, exactly. Who, who who was funding this proposed Super League? So Ed Woodward went out on his sword. You know, he 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 completely fell on it. Um, I think it is down to the ISL or ESL, the European Super League. 
Um, he looks he looks like an idiot, and I think the whole football world is looking at him. As a, I, I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he'll be the last one either. I mean, Juve have denied that Agnelli has resigned, but the fact that those rumours started coming out yesterday night suggests to me that something is going on behind the scenes there, especially when you, hilariously Juventus lost to Atalanta at the weekend. Who he referenced by name not six months ago, Agnelli saying. Is it right that Atalanta get into the Champions League on the basis of one good season? Oh, no. Look, absolutely. Just reading through some of the comments, a lot of people talking about the greed. Um, this person here saying it's not greed, it's business. Look, Manchester United has to be run also as a business. There's no one here saying that that, 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 it, that it can't run like that. That money's not part of football. I'm sorry, money so much it's Mr. Mr. Hogan, that big business over the last 12 months has been nothing but greed. We've seen in the last 12 months, the rich have got richer and everyone else has got poorer. And here you see these clubs making a desperate attempt to grasp all the money, screw over every other club that they can, just to look after themselves. Real Madrid, massive amounts of debt. And the fact that they've pushed through with this, Dale, suggests to me that their credit lines aren't as solid as they as they previously were. Although I will say this, there's not much to be said for Florentino Perez. At least he had the balls to front up Dale and face the music publicly and actually speak and put his mm. put his words to this because the rest of them have just hidden. But this is what has happened. And now football clubs have tried to put you see companies like Amazon, who I'd like to get to later, because I have some sneaky suspicions that, that they could be one of the companies that offered to to broadcast these games, because there's no way these guys went public without having a broadcast deal lined up. Um Jeff Bezos is now like worth over 100 billion. Mark Zuckerberg's gotten richer. Elon Musk, all these guys have gotten richer. And everyone else has gotten poorer. And they've gotten rich off our backs. And this is what the clubs are trying to do now. Do you think all these games are going to be played at our own grounds? Do you think they were even going to be played in Europe? I mean, the, the fact that it was called the European Super League when there was only three countries and three of the teams are from the same city uh, is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And Arsenal and Spurs to be considered elite. Spurs haven't won the league since 1961. <laughs> They've won two major trophies in the last 30 years. If Leicester City win the FA Cup this season, they will be more successful in the last five years than Spurs have been in the last 30. What have Arsenal done? Arsenal have been a mid-table team for two years now. You know, what? I mean, United. United... A United Arsenal Spurs, realistically, would you say over the last six or seven years, any of those three teams would be classes no. in the top 20 in Europe? Not a chance. No, the, the big thing about the Super League too is the lack of competition. I know this got to Gary Neville as well and, and the idea that it would be a closed league. Um, Florentino Perez denied that, but he hasn't really got the time to deny it because it's been absolutely squashed now. It, it's it, Super League is not happening. But this idea that Manchester United and... And and Liverpool and have a have a God given right to to compete at the highest level every single year. They don't. They haven't been able to qualify for the Champions League um, enough in the since Ferguson's left. There's no, you know, there's no one denying that. And 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 there's no there's no United fans that are happy about being in a top flight league, playing Real Madrid every single year and being guaranteed that because part of football is the ups and downs. You know, seeing your team being crushed, your team fall at the final hurdle, and then seeing your team come back from that. We can speak about so many stories in Manchester United history about that. And what these owners wanted to do was to come in and rip that apart, completely make football emotionless. And, do you know, ask, what, ask fans 
ask fans of any English club, and probably the same for if you if any English club, you ask them, uh, what's your what do you care about most every season? It was the league title. It's always the yeah. league title, Dale. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. You nailed it there. You know, and, and these guys just don't understand what the fans want, and that that's why I think it's it's vital that the government intervene um, and ensure that every football club in the UK has a base where there's a percentage of fan vote. Something has to happen because we've see, we've gotten the fright now. The fright was always coming. We've known it was coming. This was a big fright, and that's why the backlash was so significant. Yeah, I mean, um, I would have said, if it, uh, you know, even 24 hours ago, I would have said, if you said, you know, do we look at some sort of partial fan ownership model like Germany, I would have said to you, it's not only that the horse has bolted, it's that the horse has bolted, broken into Cheltenham Racecourse and trampled over five or six jockeys on the way to the finish line. But because this backfire is so spectacular, I mean, it's amazing. These guys have been talking about this. What, they, probably at least they've been, if you look, what is it, 170-page document contracts, whatever it is, detailing this thing. So they, let's just say they've been looking at it for at least two years. And yet <laughs> the announcement of it was so bad to not tell... And, and I want to ask you more about. I will ask you more about this in a minute, Dale. About what's happened within the dressing room to this, and what clearly happened within the dressing rooms of all the clubs in relation to this. They didn't consult anyone. Not consulted. I mean, not consulted the fans. They didn't consult the people that, that play for the football club, that work for the football club in backroom staff capacity. Nobody was consulted on this because this affects them and it affects all of their jobs. But Dale, I want to ask you because obviously. You've seen players now, players from these six clubs who've publicly come out against their own owners, the people that pay their wages, and turn around and say, yeah, we think this is garbage. Um, and there's going to be, it seems like there may be some sort of players' summit that I think Jordan Henderson and Harry Aguirre are trying to get together to get all the captains of all the Premier League clubs together. Um, I would go further and actually try and get the, the captains of the EFL clubs in as well and fo- put some sort of forum, players' forum together, independent of agents, independent of, of of independent of any of their agents' influences to, to talk about this. But there, what happened in the United dressing room? Because poor Oli Gunnar Solskjaer was almost like a, a Christian thrown to the Lions on Sunday before and after that game. But looks at it, he looks like... When he was asked about this, he knew about as much as you and I did. What happened on the day and what happened in the 36 hours after that? The It's very important to document the little things behind this, even though we know the Super League is not happening because the way in which Manchester United went about this is pathetic and cowardly. All the things Gary Neville said before the actual announcement about the Super League was very, very true. Bottle merchants. Um, As someone who works within the media, we all, like, I'll ask for a comment when big things happen. I I, I don't think there is a journalist out there that didn't ask for a comment at halftime on Sunday during that game, expecting that the club will want to speak before Ali Garasoshar has to address the media. Um, That wasn't the case. They did not pass comment. They did not answer Sky's question. And I felt... If the club are going to go down this route with a Super League, at least have the balls to stand up and have a, a spokesperson come out and address it. Because Solskjaer isn't the one that made this decision in the first place. 
So he was initially told about the, the Super League actually happening. He heard the rumours, I'm sure, but he was told about it a half an hour before his first interview with Sky before the match. Um, a half an hour, and uh, you know, looking at the the reaction to to his to his his question on social media, people lambasted and people said that he he didn't come out and and say he was against it or. He was caught on the spot. He was the first manager to speak about it. And even 24 hours later, it wasn't any easier for Jorgen Klopp. It wasn't any easier for any manager, in fact. I speak to lots of people at Manchester United. There's a lot of people that work at the club that that couldn't vote publicly say that they were against this. But they were against it. A lot of people were against this. Players were against it. And, and the other thing that kind of annoyed me a little bit yesterday with all this news was there was a kind of a union of, of agents, the football form it's called, and the likes of Mino Raiola is involved in it. Um, and, and, and they announced a kind of a joint statement and they didn't condemn the Super League. They, they said that they would work with the players on their rights and, and make sure that they were working at their best interests. The funny thing about that was hours later, footballers started to take to social media and start issuing their own statements because the agents who claimed to work on the best interests of the players didn't think to communicate with the players before releasing that statement clearly. The same way in which the clubs didn't communicate. So now we're starting to see the greedy pattern. We're starting to see the greedy owners, the greedy agents, and they're all falling into one. And the thing is, they, they, I don't care about agents. As a journalist, I might speak to agents every now and again. I don't care about them because I think the football, football can live on without them. And just like football can live on without greedy, greedy owners because the game may, I believe the game makes enough money to finance itself. Now we could do with, with the big clubs could do with the wealthier owners, of course. But what we don't want is just this sheer greed where we're being left out. Fans have no voice at any of these clubs. And that's why I think the movement might happen now where clubs and rival clubs might unify the fans and maybe some of the owners. Because I know Jorgen Klopp is very, very unhappy with what's happening in Liverpool. And what what he said on Sky Sports the other night is completely different to what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, he was barely contained in his anger. You could see it. Like he, he wanted to say a lot more. And whatever you think of Jurgen Klopp in, in terms of the footballing side of things, I mean, he's had a pretty tough year. Let's be honest, personally, with his uh, mum dying. But also, he's pretty open about his politics. Dale, this goes against everything that he believes in, and it goes against everything that most fans of I, I suspect most of the city of Liverpool and a lot of Liverpool fans believe in. You know, listen, we all know, those of us in, the, uh, in England know which way Liverpool vote every election. They don't vote Tory, <laughs> that's for sure. So, that you know, they, they were, you know, ground zero for the rebellion against the Thatcher government in the 1980s. So this is, I mean, he must be raging and Solskjaer must be absolutely furious as well. I'm sure you could tell us more about that. But yeah. this, this, this details of this meeting have, have come out that the players seem to have called a meeting. Uh, two players in particular have been very were very vocal were Luke Shaw and and Harry Maguire and it's funny you mentioned the the agents before because um, Luke Shaw's agent is Jonathan Barnett. Um, it appears Luke Shaw wasn't consulted on that statement. Any details on what happened in the meeting? Because it sounded to me like those who read Ed Woodward the riot act and then not long after that meeting he's gone. Yeah, look. The players weren't consulted. Just like I said, Solskjaer was told a half an hour before the game at the weekend. 
So I, 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 he didn't even have time to have a meeting with the players. So the players were left out of the loop. And I imagine yesterday, um, Edward may have been around and could have popped in for a quick meeting and it, it backfired because the players were left with so many questions and the fact that they had they, they, they have a signed contract with Manchester United. And these players joined Manchester United with an agreement and a lot of people forgot about this. When you sign for a club, Harry Maguire would have been told about his contract, his ambitions for those years. And the Champions League was involved in all that. You know, of course it was. Manchester United Champions League, it was involved in all that. And then the club don't inform any of the players what they're set to do and they pull out of it. Harry Maguire's only at United, what, a year and a half? Uh, and, and, and someone, just to bring up a comment, actually, because um, we're talking about Harry Maguire. Can anyone really tell Harry Maguire's credentials as captain of United now? Utmost respect for his part and his crumbling. I think spot on, okay? Because for a long time, and just to answer your question as well, Mike, for a long time we've complained about the members in our dressing room. Complained that they're just happy to be there. They're just glazer puppets. They just listen to everything that's being fed to them. Well, this was a sign of something different. And it took someone that's only at the recently joining the club has been made captain to stand up and finally tell Ed Woodward this is not acceptable. I do think it, Harry Maguire may have had a hand in what happened last night with Woodward's announcement because it happened at a weird time. And maybe he got a fright that the players are now turning on him. Players are probably a bit quiet, a bit nice recently, but I don't think so anymore. It's definitely turning nasty, and not just at Manchester United. You hear stories about what's happening in Liverpool. You hear stories of what happened at, at Chelsea yesterday. Well, well the, Joe, at, Jordan at Henderson, who's the captain, very publicly came out against this. Trent yeah. Alexander-Arnold came out against this. Uh, you know. Mike, just you're asking about what's happening within the United dressing room, okay? I think from what I've been hearing... Have a little look closer and watch reports of what's happening at Liverpool. Um, Jorgen Klopp's reaction to this has been fierce. Fierce. And there there was whispers yesterday that he could walk. I, I, I don't think it would go that far. Um, I think this, 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 this could really turn against the owners. That's all I'm saying. I think the fans are going to get behind Jorgen Klopp. Um, and something could come of this. No, I absolutely agree. I mean, they hounded out the last American owners that messed around with the club. So, um, and, and like I said, uh, listen, fans of any all the clubs need to stick together now. We mobilised together. We pushed this back. This is not over, Dale. This is one battle in a war. The fans need to keep pushing. And uh, one thing that encouraged you with the players, because I wasn't, I, I was, I was wondering what you were going to get from the players here. But the players made it very clear, well, no, actually, we would like to play in a World Cup. We would like to play for our country. We do. We, we actually do care about this. Yeah, listen, most of these players, they're fans. They're fans. That's why they've ended up playing the game in the first place. Um, and I imagine most of them feel very lucky to, to fortunate to be doing it. And, uh, you know, if you were to ask any player what's been the worst thing about this last year of playing or what's been the, the negative? No fans. And I'll be honest, Dale, you know, we've been covering these games, doing this show. It's been a real grind to watch these games not having fans in the ground. It's, it's, it, you feel like you're diminished by about 50% trying to watch these games. Look, and It's even worse now, Mike, because the Chelsea game last night, they didn't want me playing that. They, they couldn't yeah, care less. Also, they couldn't uh, care less. 
Also, it looked to me like Brighton raised their game a bit last night because they should have won that game, Brighton. And I wonder between now and the end of the season, any team, any of the other 14 teams playing any of those six teams, I guarantee you they're going to be raising their game for the end of the season. And you know what? Full-throatedly, I hope West Ham and Leicester get third and fourth. I really do. And I hope Leicester win that FA Cup because it will be absolutely hilarious. All this talk, big six, and then West Ham and Leicester City just muscle in and take those Champions League spots. And the same in Italy, by the way. Atalanta beat Juve at the weekend, 1-0. Juve are barely hanging in on that top four. I really hope they slip out. I really hope they don't get in. I hope Atalanta get in. Do you not feel this will affect the happiness of the players and affect their performance? Because, like I said, watching Chelsea last night, and even from watching United after the news came out the other day, I wasn't engrossed in the game anymore. And if I'm not engrossed in the game as a Manchester United fan, how do I expect the players to be equally engrossed in the game? Because it, this is such an insult. What they've yeah. tried to do is such an insult. And all, all we stand for, all we love about our football club has been taken away. So games, I, I don't care. I don't care about like the Super League. Right, it's it, it's gone now. Um, we're in the Champions League, but that extra push that I felt we were having to, to secure second place, I think the place is so stunken out by this. That's going to be hard to yeah. kind of get that winning one thing at one right now. Maybe for the Europa also, League. Also, but... this also this new format of the Champions League. You know, UEFA. I've got a lot to answer for. UEFA created this situation. The 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 conditions for this to happen. This new format of the Champions League is bad. <laughs> mm. it, it, I mean, it's bad. Um, you know, it's just more, more money going to the clubs at the top, whatever UEFA say. That that that's what it is. Um, and they've conceded and conceded and conceded to these teams for years and years and years. Uh, um, now, finally, I think the penny has dropped with everyone. It'll never be enough for the guys that own these football clubs. It's never going to be enough. These are disaster yeah. capitalists, Dale. And to be honest, the same goes, we talk talking about the agents before, same goes not for all the agents because there is agents out there that are genuinely out there to look out for the yeah. interests of their players. But some of them... They just want to make money, and they'll make money at any expense. We've got to get these people out of get these people out of the game. Um, Ed Woodward cannot be the last casualty of, of what has happened in the last sort. No, I don't think he will be. Like I said, I've got the feeling that Liverpool's owners will be settling up sooner rather than later. I thought it was very interesting what happened at Man City. Pep Guardiola didn't sit on the fence about what he thought about all of this. He gave quite a long and fairly eloquent and detailed response. As to what he thought about this, he was he was not a fan, and I think the fact that originally it wasn't twelve clubs, Dale, it was fifteen. They went to Bayern, they went to Dortmund, and I think it was Porto. And those three clubs told them to get lost. They were not interested in this. But let's if we just dig a little underneath the surface about what's going on with those clubs that signed up to this. Barcelona, a billion euros worth of debt. If anyone wants, because a billion is a number that's thrown out around a lot. That's a thousand million. Barcelona, one of the biggest clubs in the world, monstrous sponsorship deals. TV, they, they've got this ridiculously skew, uh, TV deal in Spain that skews into the favour of them and the other two big clubs. Still end up a thousand million euros in debt. That is shocking mismanagement. Real Madrid are in considerable debt. That's why all seems to have been quiet on the transfer market uh, speculation front for them. This summer, that's why uh, that's why Perez wanted in on this. That's why he was pushing for this. Inter Milan are broke. Inter Milan had to get emergency credit in January, Dale, because Xi Jinping 
got a grip of Suning, the, the the company that own into it, and they said, and basically as part of his power play, he's been grasping hold of these billionaires, Xi Jinping, and saying, you're going to put your money where I tell you to do, very much in the way that Putin has done in Russia. So Inter don't have any money, AC Milan don't have any money, and are also now on by an American hedge fund. Um, United's, United make a lot of money, but there's still the issue with the debt, which has grown over the last year. Um, and David Bernstein, the former city chairman, did mention on the news yesterday that he said there was two English clubs, that he didn't name them, that were in serious financial difficulty. I suspect they might be Arsenal and Tottenham because there's no logical reason for why they would sign up to this. No, look, you went through them all. And the, as well as Barcelona, just to add to that, like the, the, amount, the amount of controversy that's been at that club in the past year, the amount of money that they owe. Um, if it was any other Spanish team, like they would just be gone. You know, they get they get they get so many chances. Yeah. They're like they're like a cat with nine lives. I just want to read out a comment that has been sent in, just to read out from Andy, who listens to the podcast and he, he writes for the blog as well. How dare our owners disrespect generations of fans through families, our history and heritage? Attempting to coup on a, attempting a coup on our national game in the name of greed and money. We need to mobilize and ensure the Glazers are next. They're, they've crossed the line and we won't forget this until they are out. I'll be at the protest on Saturday and I suspect many match going fans will now get right behind this. This is a victory for the legacy fan and for football. I've never seen fans from rival clubs. Rival media outlets, pundits, players and managers unite like this. They stirred up anger and emotions in a fan base they could they never have imagined or understand. Glazers out. I think, I think that nails it, to be honest. I think the na- nails the last two or three days and, and the emotions that we've all brought to. Um, so, yeah, it seemingly, seemingly there'll be a protest on Saturday. Don't have many details on that. If I do, I put them up on the blog on strikingnews.com. You were talking about the ownership model before. We need to push this through. I mean, if we mobilise, I think the players will go with us, I think by and large, because I think there's still, if you look at where the players come from, they they come from the same places we do. Most of these players don't come from wealthy wealthy backgrounds. They come from the same backgrounds as most of the supporters. They, they will sympathise. And I think if the, Fans make that push and really make that push, then we can we can change this. It can it can be done. Look, I don't, I don't think it's ever too late. And um, people saying sixteen years too late. No, I think we've got such a slap of reality now that um it, it we we a movement needs to happen. We have the likes of Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher to call him for owners to to leave. Um, Jamie Carragher has, has told Liverpool Liverpool's owners. Um, FSG, they're not welcome in Liverpool. Um, Gary Neville said the same thing about the Glazers in Manchester. They're not welcome. Yeah, that that, um, that one, that one, that one caught me off guard. I mean, Gary Neville tends to sit on the fence. He didn't sit on the fence here. No, look, this is the thing. It, when I say it's a slap of reality, we we've Gary Neville has feared this for a long time too. There's no doubt about it, right? Because he's been behind the scenes. He's been he's been working on stuff for the past year about about how we can tackle these kind of things. Um, and as well as that, he, he's put his own hard-earned money in, into projects to, to help people during a pandemic and stuff like that. He, Jorgen Klopp said the other night that he basically doesn't know what it's like to be in the hot seat. Well, that's totally untrue. 
totally untrue. Gary Neville has done really well. And we need I, more... I don't, I don't, I don't, I really don't think he meant that. I think if you look back on that clock, he would say that he was just, he Spiking. was just angry and he was lashing out. Yeah, he was. And yeah. I think that's understandable, which is why what he said about Leeds as well. Yeah, no, no, I absolutely, I get that. But, but what I'm saying is the legs of Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, we need more. We need more people to join this movement of calling out the owners and telling them to get out. Get out. I'm not saying that a few tweets are going to make a difference because we've been shouting from the rooftops for 16 years about the Glazers and it hasn't done a single thing. We've had protests. We've had the green and gold. But this time, I don't think we should stop. Yeah, because they, they blinked. This game of high-stakes poker, usually the owners stare out the fans and they get what they want. They didn't get what they wanted. They blinked, Dale. And, you know, listen, don't know about you, I'm sniffing blood on this one. Let's keep going. Yeah, no, I think so too. That's why I'm trying to say Gary Neville and 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 Jamie Carragher and m- more. A lot more and outlets like ourselves and, and media outlets, I'm sure. This isn't this story isn't going away because the sense the sense of arrogance I got yesterday from BBC report it came around two or three o'clock yesterday before the the, the European Super League collapsed um, was that the, the the super clubs were waiting for the the fire to die down before commenting the 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 backlash that they will comment and they still support it but they're just waiting to comment and I was saying this is never going to die down never let this die down keep it up volume up keep going. Um, we'll get to some some questions as well from the Facebook page. Um, we're not talking about games right now. I know I said this already, but it's just not important. Even the game at the weekend. Um, I even forget who United are playing this weekend, Mike. It's, it's just it, these past few days have just been massive, and hopefully, it's the start of a turn in Manchester United's book of history because the Glazers need out, and there's no two ways about that. Jason Doyle asks, um, do you think the last two days have forged a team spirit that will give us a great finish to the season, Mike? It kind of touches on what I was saying about mentality right now. Do you think um, the players will stand up? I think the the team spirit of the players was already very good. I think that was quite obvious to us all. Um, Listen, I play devil's advocate a lot on this podcast because I think you have to. You want to get the discussion and get people thinking about and questioning things. But actually, I've generally been uh, quite liked the team this season. And the reason is because they're a lot of fun to watch. I mean, they're baffling at times, but they're a lot of fun to watch. The players um, look like um, they work together really well. And I think he's not perfect, Solskjaer, but I think the way he carries himself as an ambassador for the club, outstanding. And he's done a very good job in difficult circumstances this year. I mean, you said a couple of weeks ago, nobody else could have done any better with with what he had in the circumstances available to him. I think he's done a very, very good job. Um, I certainly hope so. Although part of me thinks, I, I don't know. It's kind of not at the forefront of my mind about how United are going to finish this season right now. Hmm. I think no, what I is saying, important... I mean, I was asked last night. I did a I did an Instagram thing, and someone asked me what would be the ideal signings this this season or this summer. I couldn't answer it. You know, like it. it it's, I think it's ideal signings is fans, is fans <laughs> signing and buying up fifty percent of the club. That's the ideal signing for this summer. Um, getting to Paul Rowold's question, which is on the screen, 
Do you think talk of a Glazer say will affect our plans in the summer? I feel for Ollie in every aspect of this fiasco. Um, Sam Pilger, uh, a journalist who, who writes for a number of outlets now as a freelancer, he previously worked for Manchester United um, and he came out last night and he said with, with Ed Woodward doing a runner that this could mean Glazers are about to sell up because it's it's backfired so much. I think probably wishful thinking it's going to take maybe a little bit more than that. Um, but yeah, do you, do you think that this could prompt the sale, Mike? I think it is the... It's almost... I think that where we are now, this last 48 hours has been... I think, and maybe I'm being a bit optimistic, but the... Let's say the beginning of the beginning of the end for a lot of these people who've been buying up into the who've been involved in the game and essentially seen the game atrophy from the top down in terms of the lack of competitiveness, the um, financial, uh, the, the vulgar um, spending, financial mismanagement that we've seen from these clubs, which they're allowed to get away with time and time again. You've mentioned Barcelona before allowed to get away with mismanaging their club financially time and time again. Juventus are not financially in great states right now because they've been mismanaging the club, paying enormous wages, signing, spending 90 million and half a million pound a week wages on a 34-year-old to win to win a cup. Just insanity, complete insanity. And I think maybe, yes, the beginning of the beginning of the end, I think, like I said, I've said twice already, I think if any owners are going, and I think they will, the first ones will be Liverpool's. They'll be the first ones to go. I think they'll be that 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 could be by next season. You're looking at new owners to Liverpool Football Club. I, I think it could be as as fast as that. And I think if they go, then I think you will start to see others follow suit. I could see the Glazers following suit. I could see Elliot management at AC Milan following suit. The the worry would be for the game in Spain because uh, they've got a lot of problems there. But it might maybe. Maybe this might actually be a good thing for them because maybe it's gonna. You talk about a, a wake up call, Dale, that you've mentioned before. I think this would be a wake up call for 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 many of the administrators charged of running the game. Realise that they've let this get away from them and into the hands of these clubs for years, and now an opportunity has presented itself. Presented itself, nothing to do with them, like all to do with the fans and then the players behind the fans pushing for this an opportunity has presented itself for them to rest back some control and a bit of sanity in, in the game. Um, whether the Glazer sale, I think it will happen now. I think it, you know what? I really do think it's inevitable. Whether it's going to be this year, I don't know. But I think within two years, they're going to be gone because they know that they're not going to get this now. No, who's going to touch this European Super League idea for 20 years? Nobody. As long as we remember it, no one's going to touch this. It's poisoned now. We've another comment in from Andrea Barton. Will the Glazers regret losing the man who made all the lucrative sponsor deals? I would like. I would love to think their business empire is a greater is in greater disarray. It would be wonderful and totally fitting if their own building forced them to sell. So, like, this is everyone is everyone is very hopeful that this leads to the Glazers selling. But for me. There has been no real clear indication yet to suggest that's going to happen. There's been one particular journalist said that it could happen. Um, Ed Woodward has resigned. But I think that what's going to happen is the Glaze is going to go back to the drawing board. 
They're going to think about their way forward. They don't know yet. Their plan all along has been a Super League, has been to Americanize our sport, has been to, to create this non-competition league. This has been in the works for years. So this is why the Glazers have never sold Manchester United. They've been working towards this. The question is, will they see an alternative? Because if, if, if they stay, there's an alternative. If they don't, this is the end. Because I, what they look at, and I was listening to Andy Mitten talk last night about this on, on Off the Ball, and the Glazers look at Manchester United and look at how much money they make. And they don't think United make a lot of money because it could make so much more. That, that's Football why clubs are not a good investment. If you're looking to make money, they're a bad yeah. investment. It's not but, about making money. But, but what that told me, Mike, is that they're trying to find a way to make more money. It's been blocked. So will they find if they're sticking around, they're looking for a new route to do that. And the government and fans and everyone has to be aware of that and not let this happen again. Because it's what it's what we're saying, keep the pressure. If you keep putting the pressure on, they will walk away if they think they're not going to make the money that they want. Because you know what, Dale? Ask it, you mentioned there are other businesses. There are other businesses aren't making any money. They haven't been making any money for years. Mm. But that, that's the thing. These people are in a total different... Like, they're on about the elite in football. These people are nothing to do with football. They own football clubs and they had the wrong idea all along. And, and, I, and I don't believe in oligarch state-owned football clubs too. I don't want Manchester United taken over by a sugar daddy. But the, the biggest picture is that we, ha- we, we make our own money. We make our own revenue to operate. We should be spending more money in the transfer window with the, with the money we make. We shouldn't have debt over our heads um, because of the Glazers. All these things are preventable. We operate, we make enough money, so we don't need the Glazers. United just need themselves, need the fans, and we've been pushed out, and it's been an absolute shame. And I, Look, I've, I've, I've enjoyed... Um, talking about this in the podcast because I felt over the last few days haven't been able to quite get the words out that I want and I still feel that it's, it's hard to explain what's happening but it's not over yet it's not over yet there's no way with with the, the Woodward thing um, the club are going to have they're going to spend a while now trying to shoot down that it wasn't in reference to the European Super League while he left that he was always leaving um, no he would not have announced that this week he was not planning to announce that this week Wait. There's a there's a smell I can smell getting from that statement. Oh, it's bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Uh, we'll get to another question from Facebook or a comment more like from Mikey O'Brien. Where do we go from here in terms of ownership and accountability of what has happened in the last few days? It seems very clear that the Glazers have more to do with this than any of the rest of the Premiership teams. They aren't going back. And they have to go before anything else talked is talked about in terms of players and management. Um, we don't know what is up their sleeve next. It's just what we got to. We don't know. And you're right. We have to keep pushing this. And what what annoyed me yesterday was this one particular United United account on Twitter. If you go onto the Shirty News feed, you'll, you'll see it. But basically, anything that comes out about the club, they will try and, and spin it and turn it on only got a Solskjaer, right? So this was all Solskjaer's fault. Apparently, he knew about it all along. And Klopp, Klopp didn't know about it. All this crap. Why? The message to everyone, stop, stop taking it out on people. This has nothing to do with it. Okay, Solskjaer's the manager of Manchester United. It's like Klopp is the manager of Liverpool. 
None of them. None of them had a say or a doing in any of this. They, they, they've been left out to dry like the fans. and they None of them want this. No football person wants this. So, like, pointing fingers. There's only one crowd of people you're pointing fingers at and putting the pressure on at Manchester United. Woodward, the board, and the Glazers. Social media, and if you're at the protest on Saturday, keep it up. Keep it up. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, for me, it was like, if I stopped watching United until the Glazers are gone, which is still what I'm set on doing, because for me, there's different ways of protesting about this. Me is to just economically cut any money that I put into the club, which for one person doesn't make a difference, but it's like, you choose your hill to die. Now, I know I'm not going to tell all United fans to do that. I'm not going to tell people how to support their football club because it's not that easy. Yeah. As we discussed, these are social institutions. It's very difficult to do that. You know. In the meantime, I will go and find a non-league, lower-league club down here to go and watch. I've been and watched Dulwich Hamlet a few times down here before. I'd happily go back there again. I can go in. I can pay ten less than 10 quid for the ticket. I can get a pint, a nice pint around the near the corner nearby, you can change ends at half-time. Listen, it, it, it depends what you want out of the game. Most of us fans, we could deal we're not winning anything, but if you get to go to a game, it's affordable, you have a good time, the football's great, everyone enjoys themselves. Uh, I think that's 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 all really fans really want out of a game. It's a huge amount. So, you know, just something to be happy about. There's just one thing I want to touch on that was said by Florentino Perez. His reasoning for this was that young people weren't watching the game and there was yeah. enough low-quality games. Well, there's two reasons that young people... One reason young people aren't watching the game because in real terms, uh, the wages of younger generation Xs, millennials like ourselves and, and uh, Gen Zs, who are sort of the next generation uh, younger than us, our wages in real terms have fallen, Dale, because the wages have stagnated and living costs have gone up ever since the financial crisis in 2007. And in the meantime, ticket prices have gone up and up and up. You look at Chelsea, Arsenal and Tottenham down here, Dale, the average ticket price for a game is about £100. What if you want to take your family to a game? You're a median income, you know, you're someone on a, I don't know, let's say you're on a, a decent money, you're on maybe like 30000 a year. But if you've got like two or three kids, you want to take them to go and watch your, your team, your Chelsea fan, Arsenal fan, Spurs fan, you're, what, five, 500 quid out of pocket? Oh God, can you imagine going and watching us at the moment and then go, I've just paid 500 quid to watch that. I'd be mm. furious. It's, this is ridiculous. That's why young people aren't watching the game. You've got more and more games going behind prohibitively expensive paywalls as well, which is not going to encourage yeah, anyone but, to watch. But, but, but what you're getting to, Mike, ultimately is, and this is so important, I listened to agents yesterday complain about the, the model is unsustainable at the moment. Who was at fault for all this? Well, Exactly. It's the agents and the big clubs because they've made the game so financially uncompetitive that it's created these huge gaps in games. In many ways, the, the Premier League has been an outlier in that it's managed to hold that off a little bit longer because the one good thing that the Premier League did was have an even distribution of the broadcast revenues to at least, and then you also have the parachute payments to at least give smaller clubs a fighting chance of signing decent players. But even then, when you're watching games like big clubs playing a team lower down the league and the big club has like 70% possession and like 30-odd shots on goal, that's 
that's not competitive. That's not good to watch. That's boring. That's not entertainment. That's dull. So just before we wrap it up, um, a comment, Justin, I haven't even read it yet, but I've seen the, the start of it and I wanted to touch on it. Um, a comment from Michael Clark, I unfollowed United on Twitter, Facebook, everything. I was ready to boycott the club because of this. And that really cuts deep for me to say that. But I would not want to buy shirts, buy tickets to put my money into the Glazers' pocket after they would have destroyed the history of United. Need them gone because till they're gone, fans are going to be gunning for them. Yeah, look, as as Mike said, I want to echo that I can't tell you um, what how to follow Manchester United because it's such an emotional thing and we all, we're all hit by this. Um, I don't think following or unfollowing them on, on social media will make a difference to them. I think it will make a difference to you, though. Um, you might be happier. might be happier not to, not to be seeing this crap, this PR crap every day. Like yesterday, they tweeted several times about match the weekend. What were Manchester United fans talking about yesterday? They were talking about the Super League, being lied to, greed. So the club think that they can push all this under the carpet. I think you're right on follow. I think you're right because why would you follow an account that is just spreading crap? You wouldn't follow a conspiracy theorist on Twitter who thought they were talking crap. So why would you follow Manchester United when they can't even face up, consult fans? They can't even talk to fans because they don't know fans. Because Ed Woodward doesn't know fans. Because Joe Glazer has never bothered to talk to fans. And all these people, they're all, as, as Gary Neville said it, they're bottle merchants. They don't care. So that person who f- tweets from the Manchester United account or Facebook account, they're probably a United fan. He's on big wages anyway. Um, but he doesn't make the decision and he gets paid at the end of the day. He's part of the, part of the clan, I suppose. Big money. Suck up the Glazers. Um, so yeah, look, I commend you. I don't think it makes any difference to the club. They don't care. But for your own sanity, for your own happiness, good move, I guess. Um, just make sure you follow Stretty News, though. Um, <laughs> at Stretty News, follow us on 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 Instagram, Stretty News, and follow the the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're also on YouTube at Stretty News TV, which this goes out on. Mike, thanks so much for joining me. Finally, do you do you want to wrap up? I suppose we, we've spoken about the Super League, the anger it's caused. Before we go, a little reaction to the U-turn, being out of it. We're not in anymore. Yeah, it's good. I don't think we should show them any gratitude for it, Dale, frankly. Um, I don't want to see anyone patting these absolute whoppers on the back from any of these clubs. Um, what I want now is to treat this as if you... Um, Treat this if you're in a prize fighting boxing match and suddenly you've you've caught, you've got a glancing blow off the opponent's jaw, he's rolling back, he's on his heels, his knees are wobbling, you keep pressing on and force on that advantage and take him down. This this does not end here. This is the beginning. If this it, you know, people are talking about they've declared war on the fans. Right. Well they fired the shot and we fired back. So let's just keep firing while the pressure's on and they're fumbling around trying to find more ammo. Absolutely, absolutely. They might have, they might have to run off to their friends in Saudi. Um, anyway, we'll wrap it up on that note. Thanks for listening. Thanks for everyone who listened in live. This podcast will also be going out on the our podcast platforms later on this evening. And I'd like to thank Mike and everyone for joining us. The fight is won for now.
Social Podcast Network.